Amen. Let's pray. Father, that song is powerful, those lyrics, and, and we truly believe them. Uh, you are powerful. We know that you are a healer. Yeah, you are amazing. Father, all these songs that we sing, you are just so worthy of this praise that we can heap upon you. And, and Father, we could spend our entire day just talking about how amazing you are, how much love that you have shown us, how much grace that you have poured upon us how we fall so far short of your glory, but you reach down so far deep in our hearts to pull us close to you. Father, we don't deserve it. Father, I'm grateful to be able to come to a setting like this. I'm grateful to, to come to this assembly, this people that have been called out of the world to sing your glorious praises and to just really be grateful to be called out of darkness into your wonderful light. Uh, Father, we don't often get this opportunity during the typical week to sing these types of songs in unison with our fellow brothers and sisters. I pray that we can all rest in this moment, partake of this, gain spiritual sustenance that will help us in our daily battle just to stay close to you, Father. We are all messed up. None of us have it figured out, and you obviously know that, Father. Help us to acknowledge that and in humility run towards you in obedience and in faith. And uh, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Fired up this morning? Are you fired up to be here? Absolutely. It's 9 o'clock. You love being at the 9 o'clock service. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. Amen. That's all right, man. We, we're going to get into God's word. You know, every week... Somebody, will, not every week, that's an exaggeration. A lot of times people say, Jeff, man, I don't understand. Like, how does a sermon come together? And I just say, honestly, I, I, it's, it's easier when we're in a series of sermons because I kind of know the passage that I'm going to preach on, or at least I know the general book of the Bible. I get my passage. I read it a thousand times, different translations. Try to, I ask questions throughout the week. What does this mean? Why this word? Why not that word? All kind of stuff. It's fun. It's great. Sometimes we're not in a sermon series, and so it's a little bit of a different process. Like now, we're not in a sermon series. And so uh, there wasn't one particular passage that just jumped out at me. And just like you, I hope, hopefully you're reading the Bible every day. Okay? I'm trying to read the Bible every day, best I can, right? Uh, some days better than others, right? Uh, every year I try to read the whole Bible. At some, you know, just Sometimes I take a whole year. I think last year I was just feeling especially in a certain place where I just, I, I shared that with you last year, I just felt, I just need massive dosage of scripture. And I tried to read the Bible in 90 days and it took me like 135, whatever. I, didn't, I don't feel damned by God, right? It's okay. It took me a few extra days, but it, it helped me, okay? Uh, but now I'm going through the Bible and I have a, a plan that gives me a New Testament passage, an Old Testament, some chapters there, and gives me Proverbs and Psalms. And so I'm in many different parts of the Bible. And we have no sermon series right now. And so I've just got a lot of things that I've been going, that have been going through my mind that I'm going to share some with you. And uh, so then it became, well, what am I going to title this message? Because in this day and age, you have to have a title to put it on the website, right? <laughs> That's the practicalities of this job, right? And so I'm not good at coming up with catchy titles. And so an insight, a question, and a couple of quotes was really what I felt like this is the message this morning, but that just, 
it didn't really, really seem good. And so I thought, well, okay, maybe I'll try this one. Jesus, we really need him because we are so messed up. Because that's really what I want to talk about, but I couldn't come up with something catchy. So please forgive me. That's the best I got. That's the best I got. We need Jesus because we are messed up. All right? And so we're going to look at some messed up people in the Bible. Okay? And, and uh, hopefully you can relate to them. And if you've been around the church for many years, these, these people you're familiar with because there's only four Gospels. Right? And you've read them if you're a Christian. Right? If you're visiting with us, this is good stuff because you, you get to see who Jesus is and see how he interacts. And we love it when you visit. Please come back. We, we just love when our friends come out and, and worship God with us. So we're glad to have you. So we're going to look at some people that, that have some challenges. All right? You ready? The first person that we're going to meet is this guy. All right. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And you shall not defraud. And you know what? Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him. And loved him. Loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's a messed up guy. Just like me and you, we're all messed up. He had his version of being messed up. He wanted to know, hey, how do I get eternal life? And, and sometimes we only think of eternal life in the sense of what happens after we die, okay? And I think if you like N.T. Wright and scholars like that, they write all about this and speak about this, but that's not necess necessarily what he had in mind, nor does it always mean that when you read it in the Bible, because eternal life, it not just a duration of life, it is the type of life that God wants for us to have, okay? So eternal is not necessarily a duration, it's more of the kind, the type, and the type of life that God has for us, we can't create on our own, it must come from above. We actually have to be born again to receive this type of of life, okay? But, but he's trying to figure it out, well, how do I get there? I, I want eternal life, and man, he's, Jesus like, wow, here's the deal, man. You know what the scriptures are, right? And he says, man, I've been nailing it. I've been keeping this stuff good since I was a kid. Wow, do you believe him? Right, you, you're, you're, you're torn, right? Do you think he's lying? I don't, I mean, there's nothing in the passage that says, well, he's a liar. We don't know that for sure. I mean, let's just take him at his word. The dude is totally never slept with somebody, not his spouse, never stole anything, never lied. I mean, wow. I mean, wow. This is a high calling, this guy. Um, you said, Jeff, but I thought he was messed up, right? Well, he is messed up, okay, because none of us has it on straight. So Jesus says, well, this is the thing that got me. 
the insight. One thing you lack, an insight from Jesus. One thing you lack. How many of you are ready to hear if Jesus, for Jesus to come up to you and for him to look at you and say, you know, I've really looked into your life and there's, just, there's one thing that you, you, you lack that you really need to work on. How would you feel about that? Especially if you were this guy. Because he, his spiritual resume is better than mine. That guy, I have no, I, wow, man. I messed up on, I mean, wow, last driving here, I probably messed up on some of the stuff that he has on straight. But Jesus still, great guy. Mm, man, one thing you lack. And, and, and I realized this is what stopped me as I was studying this week is, is, is oftentimes these types of insights, I believe, go unheeded by many of us. And, and oftentimes I believe that we can read, even read scripture and have an insight hit us. And, and it's something expose us for, for who we are. And for whatever reason, we don't respond to it. Right? Because Jesus... And, and, and then here's the problem that I think some of us can have. We want everyone to remember all the good things. Jesus, why don't you really praise me for not committing adultery right now? I feel that you're being legalistic here. I feel like you're lacking grace. Right? We can go there. But what does the Bible say? He looked at him and what? He loved him. So this is actually... Uh, an expression of the love of Jesus to actually point out, hey man, there's something in your life I think you lack. That's actually loving. And, and, and I, I hope that we can receive these types of things from scripture or from one another. When, we, when someone opens a passage and says, hey man, you're doing great. Man, this is one thing, you, you really seem to cut me off a lot when we're talking. Like that's kind of rude. Like you're a great guy, great brother, but Man, I think that there's something that really kind of bothers me, makes me honestly not even want to talk to you sometimes. Or, man, you get really angry. <laughs> Your anger, like, whoa, it overwhelms people. Wow, I don't even, and I don't even think you see it. Like, I think that's something in your character. You're a great brother, you're a great guy, but, right? I mean, isn't that realistic? But how do we respond to those types of one thing you lack Moments. I think we struggle responding to those moments. And so, honestly, here we are. We're, we're, we're at a stage in our church where we're really trying to get into smaller groups and really interact with one another. And uh, I was reading a, a book, and it was just talking about a, a church that decided in their small group environment they were going to have one thing groups. Interesting. So where you get into your, your group, and you, you all kind of pray about it, and you, you come up with the one thing that you guys want to work on as a group. And guess what you do? You read God's Word. You, you study, you try to memorize maybe a passage that relates to the situation you're dealing with, right, and, you're, and who you are. And you lovingly interact with your small group in such a way that you try to help each other grow in this area that you lack, right? Uh, I thought that was a really interesting concept to me. 
Uh, because I, I like when I read something and it kind of wakes me up and spurs me on. But sometimes I flat out don't. I don't. Because sometimes I'm just more comfortable not changing. And then I can start resenting people for wanting me to change, right? <laughs> that laughter means that you have experienced that as well, it sounds like. <laughs> and then I think sometimes these insights, like I said, I think we, we read the Bible, and, and I think some of us are insight junkies. And what I mean by that is we will listen to every podcast, every book, every website, you subscribe to their daily this, and you can load up on nuggets, man. Just spiritual nuggets, like, bring them on, come on. Did you hear that podcast by this dude out of this city, out of this state, Bible project, da, 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 da. did you see that? And we just accumulate insights. But we often don't act on them. We often don't act on them. And I think that messes us up. And, uh, and that's what I'm working on in my life. So when I look at <laughs> many things I like, one of the things that I'm trying to work on, just to be transparent, is I don't do well when I have a lot of dangling things going on in my life, like really good things that I should be focused on. Like I even decide for, I'm, this is good and I'm going to do it, but then I don't really see it through to the end. And then I kind of go to something else and then I go to something and then I leave like nine things that are, that are just kind of out there. And then I feel, start feeling a little scattered and I start feeling like I'm not where I want to be fully present. And then I kind of can detach and get funky and then get mad at the world that it's everybody else's fault that this is where, I mean, I can just get out there, right? And so I've got to learn how to slow down and see things through, okay? And I think if I can do, if, and I think someone just stop hurrying so much, slow down. Take stuff in, and, if, and don't be afraid that some things take time. Sometimes I struggle with that because I'm trying to do a lot of other things. So I'm working on that personally because I don't want to be, you know, one of those content junkies. And, um, and so as I'm studying all the various books and things, I came across this quote that I, hit me hard, and so I'm sharing it with you. Our tendency to focus so much on the delivery of content in our Christian gatherings may be having the unintended effect of training people to become increasingly comfortable with undigested and unpracticed insights. Many good insights can overwhelm us and become ideas we merely agree with rather than guidelines for a spirit-guided and spirit-empowered way of life. Practiced experience in the way of Christ takes time. Good night. I'm struggling at this right here. Pray for your boy, okay? Pray for me. I read the Unhurried Life book, but I rushed through it, and I don't think I really got <laughs> as much out of it as I could have. And so I went back through it and read that and thought, man, I'm just terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm messed up, okay? But you're messed up too. Where are you messed up? What's the one thing you lack? And are you willing to apply the words of Jesus to your life? Because what if the guy, what if the guy put it into practice? What if he, what if, okay, here's the deal. What if the dude heard the insight from Jesus? One thing you lack, you need to go and sell everything you have. Okay, put it in, the, put it in today's world if you need to. Goes back to Buckhead or whatever part of town you think is great. 
goes home, okay, decides to put his house on the market, calls his realtor, explains to him what he's doing. Realtor says, you're crazy. He says, this is what I'm doing. Goes, puts his car on the market, really nice car, puts it on the market, sells it, gets a very inexpensive car, right? Takes the money he sells from his house, creates a foundation to help underprivileged children to do a, do a bunch of charitable things, right? But he's, he's taking his money and he's kind of giving it away and he's living in a smaller place, different part of town, right? What if, what if he'd have done that? Would that have been it? No. Because what did Jesus say? After you do all that, then what? Then come follow me. So <laughs> here's the deal, guys. We can check off a lot of boxes, but at the end of the day, it's still the daily, daily following of Jesus that we got to be committed to. The guy could have, the rich young ruler, he could have done it all, but he still would have had to make the decision to walk with Jesus. And I bet you at some point he would have gone, man, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Right? At some point. When he's out with Jesus and they're in the middle of nowhere and he's like, man, I used to have a nice house, man. We don't even have a place to stay. Or, man, I used to walk into town and people used to, to respect me and they would talk to me and I had all this respect in the world and now they look at me like I'm crazy. Man, I, I struggle, right? That probably would have been his life. And then what would have happened? He'd have had to deal with his life right there. Deal with the stuff in his heart. But that's what Jesus wants for all of us. To deal with the stuff in your heart that you're too afraid, too scared, whatever the word is, to deal with. And for that one guy, that was the stepping stone for him to deal with his life. What's the thing you lack to get you to deal with your life? What is it? Because even if you deal with it, you still got to walk with Jesus every day. Every day. And that's why I think we have to be okay with some things take time. Time to just walk daily with Jesus. And I think we struggle with that in our culture. We just want it now. Give me a new podcast. Give me a new teaching, man. I've already heard the Richard Miller. Give me that scripture I've never heard so I can not put into practice what you're about to tell me this morning. <clears throat> Let's take our time, right? All right, next guy, because I don't want to go over. Amen. All right, John 5. Ever heard of this guy? Right? Jesus goes to this place. Um, in verse 2, there is a, in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Okay, so what about this guy? This guy's messed up too. You say, well, Jeff, that's rude. He's an invalid. Why would you say that about... Just because he's an invalid doesn't mean his heart's not messed up in some respects, right? We can all have some challenges in our hearts. And there's so many things that could be said about this. But here's the deal. 38 years this guy's been around that culture, that environment, that place. Imagine that. 38 years he himself has 
been unable to move, it appears, at all, without the help of someone else, okay? If you are new to the passage, you've never heard this. In fact, side note, first Sunday sermon I went to like 20-something years ago, this was the first uh, sermon I think I heard. And so, it means it's always meaningful to me. So I, did, so I remember what it was like not to know what in the world is he talking about? No one to help me in the pool. What does it mean? Supposedly, there was a legend or a thought that when the water stirred in that pool, the first person that got into that water would be healed. That supposedly is what is going on here. So this invalid who cannot, he cannot move. So when the water stirs, he's, he's got to, hey, hey, hey. But then by then someone else gets in, he doesn't get healed. 38 years. That's, that's his life, 38 years. Maybe, and, and it, maybe it is true. Maybe he has seen healings. Who knows? We don't know. At the end of the day, that, that was his reality. And he, he wasn't alone. There were many other people who were lamed and blind. And wow, what an what a environment this must have been. And there were a lot of people there. So you, you just imagine the, the desperation and the need and the feelings and the emotions and the discouragement that was just all in, just hovering in this one place. And so you got this guy who's been there for 38 years. So the title, the insight, incredible title of my message, right? The insight and the question. Because obviously here is the question. Do you want to get well? Hmm. And of course, the guy's first words out of his mouth were, they weren't yes, were they? Why? Why wouldn't the guy just say yeah? <laughs> I mean, yes, I've been waiting for somebody to help me. He didn't even say yes, right? He starts going on about, oh, sir, I have no one to help me. What's he doing? Making excuses. But why? Well, when you've been, in a, when you've been stuck, you think like a stuck person. And the reason why this passage is kind of hitting me is because I feel a lot of you are stuck, just to be honest, okay? And, and I get, we all get there. I mean, I, like I've shared before, I've been stuck in certain ways, but I, I hear more about a certain, there's different varieties of stuckness that I hear about. But at the end of the day, this passage kept resonating with me because I feel like so many of you are stuck. And you, and you, you kind of don't know why. Some, when I get, when we sit together at Starbucks or whatever, when you send me the email or when we get together, and I'm just accumulating a lot of talks that I've had that just this, this spiritual malaise, this, this I, I wish I were growing and, I, oh, and maybe it's this reason or maybe it's that or if the church with this or if my family group that or, I, I don't know, I, I've just heard a lot of the, the stuck and, and I just... Jesus was great with questions. Like, do you want to get well? So for those of you that are just struggling with unforgiveness, you know what I mean? Like you just cannot forgive people or you're just harsh with people or you just, you're just lusting, just pornography just has gripped you. Your spouse is crying every night. You don't, you know, and I'm, you don't know what to do. And if Jesus were to come to you and just, do you want to get out of that? Like, do you want, do you want it? Right? And I appreciate the, the simplicity of this question that I've heard a million times. And if you've been around, you've heard it a million times. But that doesn't mean that you're responding to the question. Because what does it take to get well? What does it take for this guy? <laughs> what did it take for him to get well? 
It didn't take a long process, did it? It didn't. What did it take? It took a word from Jesus. That's what it took. 38 years versus words from Jesus. What does that mean? Do you believe that, though? Seriously, as you sit in this auditorium, that Jesus' words have the powerful effect that could change your life? Like instantaneously. Because here's the deal. Earlier we saw it's a little bit of a process. Okay, go sell everything you have and get work on your heart. This situation is different. This was in the moment, words of Jesus, just like creation, amen? Let there be light. Bam! God's words made things happen, right? Jesus' words, because he is the I am, right? His words have that power. And here's the deal. Here's the, here's the even crazier deal. That that guy, he, wasn't, he didn't even know who Jesus was. He wasn't, looking for, he wasn't listening for any podcasts, and he wasn't looking for the fish on the radio or nothing. Like we have no clue if he even, he, there's nothing in this guy that is saying, yeah, he was trying to follow God. He was looking for the Lord. He was waiting on the Messiah. Even after Jesus heals him. The guys come up to him, who healed you? you? You're walking around with your mat. That's against the Sabbath. Who did this? I don't even know who the dude was. <laughs> That's what he said. I don't know. I don't know who he is. He didn't ask for the healing. When Jesus asked him a point blank question, he like, all right, he's all over the place, making excuses. Even after he was healed, he's not praising God. <laughs> He's not becoming a messenger of others to buy how awesome Jesus is. He didn't, he didn't even ask, hey, man, who are you? Thank you for helping me out. What kind of guy is that? I don't know. I think the text kind of, you can go either way, right? But my, I think the guy's kind of messed up, personally. Because, you know, Jesus later, Jesus finds him and says, hey, man, see, you are what? What words he use? You're well, again, the same word. See, you're well. You're well again. Right, and that's it, right? End of story, move on to John 6. No, what, what parallel do we see like we saw before? <laughs> Amen, you're healed, but there's still that daily aspect. I mean, you, well, you got to stop sinning, man. Something worse going to happen to you. That's another strong statement right there. Stop. What is, did that mean he was like in the act of doing some sin right now? We don't know. Is this characterizing his life post-healing? We don't totally, 100% know. Probably, probably he was healed and just it's like, wow, I've been unable to move for 38 years. I'm doing everything I couldn't do, right? Who knows? But Jesus finds the guy and, and, and gives him loving, not legalistic, not lacking grace, but a firm loving, motivated by love, motivated to help this guy out, but a firm dude, stop doing what you're doing. All right? And, and, and this guy takes that from Jesus and then goes and tells the guys he knows are trying to find Jesus. Eh, I don't know about this guy's heart. I don't know. Who knows? But what did I learn from this question, the do you want to get well? I just want to pose it to all of you. Do you? want to get well? Are you open about what you are struggling with? Because unlike him, he didn't know who Jesus was. You obviously do or want to know him. If you're kind of visiting, you're like, I, I, somebody invited me at Starbucks last night. 
I just showed up. Wow. Okay, help me out, right? That might be you, just like me when I heard the, this sermon for the first time, okay? But what is it, right? And do you want to get well? Because if you do, you have to trust in the supernatural power of God to be able to do that. He often uses his word, his word, just his word. His word can heal you. You can actually read a passage. My firm belief is you can read a passage. You can ingest it. You can meditate on it. And it can change the course of your life. I, I will never stop believing that. Because I was living as jacked up a life as you could as a single man in Southern California when somebody invited me to their apartment. I didn't even know these strange people. And I don't even know why I went. But I went. And I'm sitting on the couch, and when that dude opened up that Bible and started reading from 1 Corinthians 9, talking about don't just live your life aimlessly, I'm like, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. And Paul's like, no, man, I have purpose in my life. I'm living it for Jesus, and I'm not going to get disqualified at the end. When I finish my life, I'm going I'm to have that security that I live my life with purpose for God. And, and, and I sat there, and I go, that's not what I'm doing. And from that day, I have not stopped walking as best I could and responding to God. How could that be? Is it because uh, I had a great upbringing, I grew up in a certain state, I went to a certain school? Absolutely not. It's because God's word has that power. And here's the deal. We're not sharing that word with each other enough. And I believe it's because we've lost faith in what God's power can do. And I believe that has contributed to our stuckness. And so we're surrounded more than we need to be around fellow brothers and sisters who are spiritually paralyzed. And we don't even, we're not, it's almost like we're not even looking for the word from Jesus to change us. We're looking for some church program, some new app, some new teaching from some state, some cool skinny jeans wearing place. I don't know. What are you, what, where are you looking? Well, the, if the pool stirs and I'm, if I'm the first one in, I, no, dude, what do, you, what do you think will change your life? That pool? The water that's going to stir? What you looking for? Open up your Bible with trust and belief that God can change me today when I read this word, if he wanted to. And even if he changed me right in that moment, healed you from your lust, right there reading that scripture, do not lust, and you read it, I got to change because of my love for God. You change. Guess what? You still going to have to walk with him. And he going to change, but he going to change you some more so that you can actually help the body of Christ be healthy instead of being a carrier of this spiritual cancer of God's word really doesn't change me. I don't even need to read it. That's legalistic. People trying to tell me stuff I need to change is they don't have grace. I need to find a place that does. Whew. Okay, well you just wait for that water to stir in, in the pool. I'm gonna read my Bible and wait for Jesus to change my life. <laughs> I'm gonna take my steps towards him, right? That's what I think we need up in this church. So whatever community you in, <laughs> let, bring, bring this type of mindset to your community. Start talking about God's word with each other. Okay? Let's start doing that more. Let's be, let's be known for that kind of stuff. Or let's even ask the question, hey, I'm dry. I'm spiritually dry. I really, honestly, I am. What are you learning? 
What a great question. What are, what are you learning, man? You know, help a brother out. Can you just pray with me real quick? Because I'm struggling. I feel so dry, I don't, even know what to, I don't even know what to tell you. Let's say stuff like that to each other. All right? I just think this is where I want to be, and this is where we should strive to be. All right, I am done because I do not want to get in trouble. I'm under time, I do believe, and we are going to take the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to pray at this time. Father, I, uh, I just pray that we can believe in who Jesus really is. Not just a person, a prophet. He is your son who has come to save us from our sins. We are unable to save ourselves and we have a deep propensity to look for salvation and for healing from places other than Jesus. Help us change. We want to remember Jesus right now. We want to glorify his name right now as we take the bread and drink of the, the juice that represents his body and the blood he shed. We actually believe he was resurrected and that that is proof that one day we can be resurrected too. We celebrate in that. We proclaim that right now in his name. Amen.